Well, last weekend, the Wyndham High School class of 1973 had its 50th reunion, and it's my pleasure to be joined by one of those folks who was at the reunion, and that would be my longtime friend, John Catalano, who's up from Florida, all the way up here to see that 50th anniversary reunion. John, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. Good to see you here today. Good morning. Tell me some stories about the reunion. Was it pretty cool to see all the folks you haven't seen, many for 50 years? It was one of the most wonderful nights of my life. And all the basketball players I played with, all were still in great shape. Remember Pete Switchenko? Absolutely. He looked like he was 30 years old. And it was great to see him and uh, Mike Phelps, Billy Pazinski. Doesn't have any hair anymore. He's still the best guy. What a per- what, great person. Just a great person. And uh, uh, the only one that wasn't was, remember Dave Young? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't there. He's great, in Arizona. Great shooter. Great yeah. shooter. He's in Arizona. He, he just didn't want to make the trip. And luckily, because of the internet, we get to talk to everybody. But all everybody there, it wasn't a bad moment. It was a pretty emotional evening for me. And it was at the uh, Wyndham Country Club, or whatever they call it now. And... Uh, it was worth it. I think it was the Wyndham Golf Club. Yeah. yeah, it was worth it. I mean, you know, some of us came from long distance to do it. And and great people, and everybody's happy. All right, so tell me about the agenda for the night. What, what Were there speakers? Did mm-hmm. they bring back memorabilia? No, because when well, I think there was a, a, almost 100 of us or something like that. Once you put all those people in the room, it's just hugging and holding on and, and making fun of all the gray hair and, and everything. And <laughs> Plus, you get to see people that you knew, but you never knew. Like, I saw John Warinsky. Remember, he was a football player. He looked great. He great looked run- like he could give you a, a game right now. Great running back. Yep. yep. And uh, Steve Parent, who's a, a, a lawyer in uh, Washington, D.C. I always liked that guy. And, and, you know, I lost touch. Everybody went. The people like me that left Connecticut uh, didn't come back a lot. And so... It was great. They they flew in. They did the thing, and we also visited the new high our high school. We were the first sophomore class. We went to the old high school one year, and then we went there. So we had a tour by the superintendent, and they're doing all the construction there. We were the brand new building, and it's worn out, and now they're redoing it. That's how old we are, I guess. It was it was a wonderful night. I'll throw a little nugget in about that too. That I began here on August twenty fourth, nineteen seventy, in Wyndham High School. That school, the one that's now on High Street, opened a week later. So I, I've been here a week longer than that Wyndham High School has. The difference is, though, they've renovated as new that school. I'm getting older by the day, yeah. and I've not been renovated yet. So anyway, that story goes and, and by. And you did games back then for uh, for my basketball team, for the Wyndham High. I did them with Frank Milo. Uh, we did football games, including Johnny Warinsky's games uh, with with, uh, with Frank Milo. Allie Case was in the booth with us. Allie, of course, was uh, your, your coach. Right? And, and, and Bill Ayers. And Bill Ayers lives in Florida, and I luckily found his phone number because of the Internet. I called him up a month ago, and I uh, and his, I was telling him what a great guy he was and thank you and all that. And his wife said, you know, if I have to hear that again or something. That guy was a, a, a great – you know, we were lucky. We had a really good team, but um, – we and, and standing next to Billy Bozinski and, and uh, Jimmy Miller and all – and Mike Phelps, they're all big guys. And there's me. I'm 5'11". And uh, – <laughs> It's just, I was, uh, we got some pictures, you know. That moment will never exist again, you know, to have those guys in one place. That was wonderful. I would imagine that one of the special things about a 50th reunion or any reunion, but in this case, 50th reunion, is catching up with people you haven't seen forever and also finding out what they're doing now. And I'll bet there were, I don't know if these stories came up, but there were probably people who, when they left Wyndham High, 
they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Well, now, 50 years later, you look back, and they didn't do this. They didn't do that. They did something totally different, and they've had a good life. Well, you know what we lost a lot of people contact was college. If you left here and you didn't go to UConn, you're gone. But um, it, it's, you know, to see these people and ask them, you know, what you did. But when I played basketball, I missed a, a junior year one game and a senior year one game because I wanted to play string bass in the orchestra, and I got chewed out by those guys back then, and I apologized to all of them, but... That's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I wanted to play music, and learning how to read music was important. And how did that work out? Well, I've never had a job. But I, I have to uh, say this before I forget. I had a great wife, and she was an architect and an artist and everything. But as a musician, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in Willimantic. But I did start a band right out of high school called Oasis that, that did well, and we played at Shabu, thanks to uh, David uh, Foster and uh, Mark Foster. So... I learned, you know, what a band could be like, but then, so I have to say this. There was a guy at Shabu named Kevin Ryan. He was a sound engineer. He left here with Pure Prairie League to go on the road to run sound. Ended up at Criteria Studios in Miami. He calls me. I'm in Gainesville. He goes, get your buns down here right now. I got opportunity for you. My whole career is on that phone call because he introduced me to a lot of famous people. Now, let's clarify what you said. You know, 50 years later, you said you never had a job. But yes, you had a very good musical career. You play with some big shots over the years. I, it, I did, and, and um, it was luck. But because that one studio, everybody goes there in the winter to get away from the cold. All the stars, I mean, I'm holding a Chicago album. They were there every winter. It, the stars wanted to get away from cold weather, and uh, it was paradise. But, I mean, Eric Clapton was there, Joe Walls, the Eagles, Stephen Stills. And, and somehow or another, Kevin Ryan was a good engineer, was always the assistant engineer on some big projects. I mean, he worked on a lot of big records. But once you have a connection, you're in. But the other thing that got me the, going, I was always an athlete, and I never had a drug problem, and I never drank. Nobody's ever seen me drink alcohol. And stars are athletes, the, you know, the really good ones. The Bee Gees, I played with them. They were soccer players. They didn't, you know, this thing, everybody thinks they're all drug addicts. Look at Mick Jagger. He's ripped. So you have to stay in shape to sing and be a musician. Some of them, of course, you know, for a couple of years went down the tubes, but they came back. I never had that problem. And you have to have a wife. You, ha you have to have a, a life and a home life to be a good musician. You have to. No, oh, she's great. I've known her for years. Yeah. haven't seen her in a while, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been to your house down there. In, uh, oh, you, you, been I, in, I've, been, I've been to your mother's house in yeah, Pompano the, Beach. In 1970, late 70s. Yeah, Lane no, used to come 71, down. 72, something like that. What yeah. they used to do is they'd send you down there to do color for Yukon. Uh, for well, no, that's Miami. before I did that. Oh, this, was just, this was just, you know, two guys... It was me and a buddy of mine, and we were just we were down in Florida sightseeing. But I knew your mom from Catalano Flores, and I uh, just stopped by, and uh, we had a good oh, afternoon there. I think we yeah. stayed at your house yeah. one night. Yeah. Well, you, and, and she was thrilled because, you know, the connection, the old school thing. But when you were doing the Miami games, they'd send you down for one day. It's like 80 degrees, and you left, like, freezing cold. And I used to say to you, you're staying for another couple of days, and we drive around. We were driving around Miami one time, remember? And uh, that was cool. One time of the pouring rain. Yeah. I remember one time you took me to some uh, off the off the beaten path beach and, and so forth. So, yeah, we, we go, uh, you and I go way back to the old days. And, and there's no reason to leave in January and rush back if you don't have to go back on the air. You, uh, you've got a lot of years logged in as a broadcaster. Well, as I said, about as old as Wyndham High School is right now. Back me up to your... Uh, academic career here in Wyndham. Where did you go to elementary school? I went to Sweeney School. 
because my mom was a teacher and she was in the public system. She went to Eastern and uh, remember we talked about this, M Mrs. Moore? Cora Moore oh. was a roommate. I think Eleanor Boucher was the first one. So we had to. We couldn't go to Catholic school because you're a public school teacher. My dad was a, a teacher. He never taught, though. So I went there, and then I went to, uh, I think we also went to Natchog, and then we went to the old Wyndham High, and that. But I missed... The old Wyndham High, meaning Kramer. Yeah. We went that last year that it was open, and, uh, and then we went up the hill to the brand-new facility, which is now being renovated, but I didn't go the last five months of Wyndham High. I didn't. I went on the road with a rock and roll band to Canada, so I missed that. I came back and I had to, you know, take some tests and stuff like that. And the principal, Ed Shupak, wherever that guy is, what a great guy. He said, you know, you you you're pursuing your career, so I'll help you. And he made it so I could get my um, my you know diploma at Wyndham High. But going on the road when I was a little kid and learning. It's the reason why I was successful later on. Same with the, the, remember Lefty and Michael Foster had the band Grey Controversy. They, I carried equipment for them and watched them, you know, and learned like when I was 13 or something like that. I want to thank them for that. And I called every one of those guys up that I could reach, you know, as I retired and said, thanks for, you know, teaching me the nuts and bolts of you know, any business. The plumber's son is always a good plumber, isn't he? John Catalano, our guest this morning, class of 73. Three. Wyndham High School. He's got a Wyndham High t-shirt on today. I've got a Wyndham High jazz band shirt on, speaking of jazz, that you like to play as well. I wonder if you remember, or anybody at the reunion on Saturday remembers anything about graduation. Number one, with all that traveling you did, were you at your graduation? Yes, I Saturday? came back. Okay, what do you remember about it? Was it outdoors, indoors? Where was it? Uh-oh. you got to remember, this is a 50th... I, I, right, I, but you just had all the memories refreshed on Saturday. But Maybe. that auditorium, remember, you know, they have the auditorium over there? Yeah. I think we went in there. Now, somebody listening from Willimantic, all the women that were on the committee that uh, that put that party together, they have the answers. So I'm going to apologize now before I say anything. But that was um, that was an interesting time. You know, when you're a senior, you, you can't wait to leave. And then the rest of your life, you go, I wish I had more of those moments because it was there were beautiful moments. I graduated a bunch of great guys. Uh, Roman Pavluk, he was a little guy. He went in the Navy. There was a memorial for all the names that hadn't made it. And uh, he was a, the Captain Stewart on a nuclear submarine. And when they read his name, everybody's name, they go, okay. And when he read his name, everybody went, oh, because he served our country. And he was the greatest guy. He was a little tiny guy. And uh, he used to support my musical career. So it was like, those women... Rick Nassif was on that committee, too. So they had all the answers because they remember. And I've been married a long time, and every time I made a mistake, my wife would, would remember. And, and they, were, they were great. And uh, I, you know, I can't thank them enough for, for making that happen. Let me throw a couple words out at you that may have been before your time, but I think it might have kind of bled over into the 70s as well. When you were at Wyndham playing basketball, was that farmer power? No. Farmer Power was late 60s. Yeah. Brian Vertifay and some of those football guys. Brian Vertifay was a bass player. Well, another musician story, huh? Well, yeah, well, yeah. no. Well, but, but, he also played professional football. He and was he also really was good. a great and a kind person. Remember, he was a monster. He was yeah. huge. He played for he was, San Diego, he? was didn't an he? offensive lineman, yeah. He played He played two years at Wyndham, and as I recall, the star, I want to say 68, 69, or something like that. And I think in those two years, Wyndham lost a total of one game. He was amazing. Now, they had other guys around him. But he could play. He's the only guy to ever make the professional uh, athlete 
uh, up, I think, out of Wyndham High. Did anybody else leave Wyndham High and become a professional sport person? I don't think so. Well, a couple of them have played minor league baseball. I'm thinking of Randy Luciani, played with Detroit. There's been a couple of Wyndham But he kids. was in the big leagues. Yeah. He was a, um, Ma- major I think he was a guard, wasn't he? His offensive line is either tackle or guard. I don't remember what he was, he, but he was great. He asked me yeah. to stand backstage for the pl- that class day where you do the thing, and I played bass guitar because he could play, but he was jam- jumping around. I was a little, I was a freshman, I think, when he was a senior. Again, 50 years, so the memory could be wrong. All right, so you had your 50th reunion on Saturday at the Wyndham Golf Club. Drop a few more names on me. They don't have to be sports names. Just people you knew from school. Who were some of the people who were there, some of the people who were part of that Wyndham High class of 73? Well, I saw uh, Randy Pollard, which was an old friend of mine, and uh, and that was really nice. A lot of the, the uh, women that were there um, have changed their names as they got married and everything, so they're in a name tag. So you have to go up and talk to them for a couple minutes to figure And And you don't want to be rude to somebody. I don't remember you or everything, but sometimes you can't remember. And, uh, and sometimes they look different too. And to be honest, this is a high praise here. But I knew you 50 years ago. You don't look much different than you did then. I would think for the people there, they would see you and recognize you. There are some people who don't look the same now as they did 50 years ago. That adds to the challenge. And and I do. I stayed in shape my whole life. I I uh, I became a vegetarian in 1973 when I left Connecticut. And I've been you know I've kind of stayed with that, but not smoking and doing drugs, drinking and all that, and working out every day helped. But everybody was in shape there. That's ironic, isn't it? And uh, I saw Sam Petrowski used to live in Columbia. He looked like he could he could give you like 75 push-ups. And uh, there were some people uh, had lost their hair. And Wayne, you haven't lost any of your hair. No, it just, uh, but, but now now I dye it gray. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's brown, but I dye it gray, just, you know, to fit the... Uh, I, and I have uh, I have an identical twin brother, Michael, and he's you know he still has his hair and, and so it. I'm trying to think of somebody's the, the interesting things uh, when you walk up somebody and they tell a story about what we did, uh, you know, 50 years ago or, or like a, a a woman that I you know that I knew and I went to class with, but um, when we were in high school there were some people who were really good in math and some people good in English. I was good in English, and a couple of the women I talked to and I'm not going to mention names would help you with their math because they were great at it. But Pete Switchingo told me, I think he taught math. He was fantastic at it. He used to get 100 on everything. And we're all looking at him, and he's like an alien. He looks like he, it's, like, it's, like nothing's ever changed. And uh, that's a family of a lot of brothers. Yeah, so, all great athletes. Right, and yeah. my dad and Pete Switchenko's dad, Nick Switchenko. It's like Dan walks by here with his wife Kim out every day. They're, they do five miles every morning, and they walk right by me going eastbound. And I bet he looks sidewalk. great. He does. And so does John. So that Thanks family... Thanks in part to a hip replacement. <laughs> well, and I ran into my friend Hank Reed up there, and he said he, said he was going to have that, and he is a wonderful person. That was great seeing him. Yeah, he's in part-time. He's an usher at uh, Gamble, and I see him all the time up there. Great guy. You know, I remember back in the days when I saw him carrying football, not just at Wyndham High. He was also a running back at UConn. I followed his career when he was at UConn, even though I was in Florida. He... I had to line it when I was a junior. I had to line up against him in those drills and chase after a ball, and he didn't crush me, and he didn't kill me because he's a kind, good person, and uh, everybody likes him. You know what I mean? He's just a good guy. At this 50th reunion, was it limited just to people from the class of 73, or did you have some other people who might have been class of 72, class of 74? No, it was 73. Who knew those people and wanted to kind of hang out with them? Well, the thing that threw me was if you brought – 
um, my wife didn't come up from Florida. It's a long way and a lot of responsibility. But other people brought their wives and everything. And a lot of those people are not from this area. And they seemed happy. You know, they were happy to be a... Uh, not everybody stayed here and got married. So, you know, some people went... Like, uh, when you go into college, you met your sweetheart or whatever. And uh, that, that, was so, that might be 20 people there that were wives or spouses. And it was nice to get to talk to them and meet them. But the name thing... We're forgetting names now. I'm forgetting. It's why I retired from show business. I was starting to forget things. Things were, like, getting past me. And uh, what you do for a living, you have to do these reads and everything. If you look down someday and you can't do them anymore, well, then it's time to retire. But with me, I was forgetting notes, uh, forgetting parts. I guess it happens. Notes like on a guitar. Well, I, you play... I was a studio musician, so I played on people's records we created. But when I would go out and do corporate work, and, or like I played with the Shibu All-Stars and they're going to play X amount of songs, I know those songs, but they're starting to go away from you afterwards because I'm not playing them all, you know, you're not playing them all the time. The, the music business has changed. It's more technical and it's more uh, computerized, which you see. And well, you can hear it in the See, at the this end, you know, you don't get 45s in the mail anymore. It's all done either email, other forms of digital. That's totally different from what it was 50 years ago. Now, you're in the music biz. You have been, maybe less now. Do you have any memories of the music from back then? I mean, any any songs come to mind? from? Yeah. Because well, I got the list. I want to hear what you remember for that year. Well, though. remember Shabu was such a big, th- was coming into its yeah, own and just, all that. Just started, yeah. But you know how this area is blues-based? Remember all the great blues guys? Because they didn't... It, they didn't command a giant audience like at a stadium, and they weren't. They were too big for a bar. So Lefty found a way uh, to fit, you know, with 400 people. It was their audience. But Aztec Two Step NRBQ. I became friends with one of the guys in those. Uh, Al Anderson was one of my heroes, and uh, who was uh, oh NRB? Uh, no, uh, James Montgomery. Well, he's the guy that's played Shabu the most. He, he did, uh, and. Uh, and oh, Cal David! What a wonderful person he was! And oh, what a, Cal! And what, what a voice! What a thing we had! I know, and I remember uh, listening to that song, and when I went to Florida. I played it for somebody, and they, they would go, "Why wasn't that a number one hit?" Because he was so good. But his bass player was Harvey Brooks, and that was Lefty's bass player for a while. Harvey gave me lessons when I was a kid. Harvey played with Jimi Hendrix, and he played with the Doors, because the Doors didn't have a bass player. Remember, they played keyboard bass. So Harvey was a Juilliard type trained awesome bass player and my roommate at Criteria in Miami was Paul Harris the piano player with Stephen Stills they were roommates in college at music school and Harvey Brooks wherever you are I hear he's living in Israel everybody loved Harvey no ego played with all these big acts he played with his his, uh, resume was was quite impressive but Wayne back in those days the bass player was the hard chair to fill you know nobody wanted to play it even though Paul McCartney was you know Paul McCartney a bass player so here, here we is. Here we are all these years later. It's still the same. My career, a lot of it was because I was a bass player. Sometimes I would get the job just because I was a bass player. You, one guy said to me, "I said you want to hear me." He goes, "No, you have the job. We can't find anybody." And same up here. I, I was always playing with people older than me because there was no bass players. And when you were playing the bass at times, whose speaker were you using to amplify the music? Well, back in those days, the PA systems were uh, uh, awful. So it was always JBL speakers, and it was a Fender amp or an Ampeg. Fen- Leo Fender invented the electric guitar, basically. No, I'm talking oh, more, more, more recent times. No, you, I've, I've seen this actual speaker. That's why I'm asking the question. Oh, um, you're talking about EAWs? I'm S- talking about whose speaker it was. Oh, uh... Slow hand. Oh, uh... 
So I'm at Criteria, and Eric Clapton Thank and you. George Perry are in another room <laughs> recording something. Uh, you can't get near Eric Clapton because he's, you know, he's got security. And Felix Popolari, the bass player from Mountain, is producing him just before he died. So I went in and traded uh, some marijuana for that amp that he played, Lay Down Sally, and the guitar. And to this day, I still have it. And it was a prototype that Leo Fender was doing. He quit his company, and he signed a no-compete for five years. So in the fourth year, he made an amp for Eric Clapton. It was, you know, really special. And Eric Clapton, those guys, they give stuff free. You know how, like, basketball players get free sneakers and all that? So I traded And to this day, George Terry, every two or three years, would call me. He hasn't recently. And say, I want that amp back. The guitar doesn't matter that much to him because they ended up making a bunch of them. It's a really special amp. All my musician buddies in South Florida to play through it. Mike Panera in the Blues Image play through it, and he says, everybody wants to buy it. And luckily for me, I have it. You still use it? That's the only amp I use because I'm not professional anymore. If I Absolutely. do a recording session, I'll, th- I'll bring that amp. When you were at Wyndham, did you use your musical talents to play like high parties? and? You know? Yes, but I was always with college kids. It was always at UConn or Eastern, or I, we went and played at Yale and all this stuff because the, the older guys that were good musicians, that could be professional, they didn't have a bass player. So it was always me, you know, the little brown hair and the mustache just standing back there playing with him. And Mike Surek, which you let me come in one time and talk about him when he passed away. He was four years older than me. And uh, I talked to Mike Magliocco, the attorney. He was a drummer, you know, five years before I was a musician. And he was telling me stories about how back then, you know, you know there was only a handful of guys. There was the great controversy with David and Michael Foster. They were great. They were like an influence. But there was the wild weeds. Remember them? Allie Anderson before NRBQ and no Bobby to, Dudak. No good to cry. Yeah, and I recovered his song. And uh, wow, uh, Bobby Dudak was a blind left-handed bass player like Paul McCartney, and he sang great. And he died shortly after that band disbanded. Let me go back to Wyndham High here. Um, when it comes to people at the school, faculty, staff, administrators who still stand out to you 50 years later, maybe someone that you knew well, someone who helped you during the way, you mentioned the principal earlier, but uh, drop me a couple names of maybe teachers. Who was a special teacher for you at Wyndham? Well, the music department was run by Catherine Wade, and she wasn't a string instrument. Uh, she didn't play, but she could teach anything. So she taught me how to read music and told me it was really important. There was also Mr. Goldstein. He was the pep band. But you got to remember, when you're an athlete, you're not playing in the pep band, right? And the reason why I played string bass is I didn't want to march as a, as a basketball player. You don't want to march in a marching band because it's too... The, remember the schedules conflicted? Mr. Goldstein was a jazz musician, and he taught, uh, taught me a few interesting things. But Catherine Ray t- told me I could be a professional musician. I was pretty good, and I had rhythm. And uh, she influenced my career. And Mr. Carlson, the English teacher, when I took those time off, he came in after hours and sat with me and caught me up so I could graduate. And he was a younger guy. Probably He was probably your age as a teacher, you know, fresh out of college. And he went out of his way to get me so I could graduate. I always thanked him for that. Now, wait a minute. As I recall, you played basketball but not football at Wyndham. So right. why couldn't you be in the pep band for a football game? Because it wasn't cool. <laughs> and, and also, um, when you're a jazz musician, which I've been my whole life and a songwriter, you don't want to go play, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, let's go. But I did play in the pep band at the Miami Heat games for a whole season when they first came out in the 80s. Uh, and I felt weird. And I brought back those memories. Mr. Goldstein, that was his thing. He put these guys together. 
Not to mention, they didn't use a bass player in the pep band until they used a drummer. It was a- Miami Heat, that's NBA. Can yeah. you remember some of the players on the court? Who were some yeah. of the members of that NBA team? Uh, Glenn Rice, remember him? Oh, yeah. Mr. And uh, they had a guy named Willie Burton. And, oh, Ronnie Cycling. The Greek guy that was the six uh, eleven guy from Syracuse. Yeah, you know yeah. when you come to Florida, they're not basketball fans down here. You guys are basketball fans. They're football in Florida, Miami Dolphins, everything. So when they started up the team, Miami Hurricanes too. They yeah, won national oh yeah, yeah, everything. They won was national football. championships. However, some have been tainted. Well, they were uh, they were called gangsters down there. Yes, and, and that's an interesting <laughs> place because it's a predominantly Jewish New York Jewish community there, and Spanish. Neither one of them are football players. So. Uh, uh, being in the green room with Ray Allen one time, you know, at an event, uh, Dan Marino's always at everything because he's, you know, Dan Marino's a big celebrity. But uh, who are the other those guys? An interesting thing, Glenn Rice was the basketball, the best player, right? He was dating vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin for a year when he was on the Miami Heat. People don't know that. That was a good one, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah, and, and she says, that? yeah, so she said it. So when they were vetting her to be vice president, I bet they didn't know that. And he was a good guy. Remember, he was great. I mean, he was 30, he was 28 to 30 points a night. Speaking of great, I want you, you drop Ray Allen's name in. And Ray's one of the most special people I've ever met in my totally involvement with UConn. Yeah, any, any stories about your interaction with him? Well, I, I said a stupid thing. I've said, Ray, what would bring a guy like you a just all-time great player to the University of Connecticut before they were uh, big, right? And I said, and I made jokes about cash or something like that, and he goes, I just liked uh, getting out away from the city and everything. He was a kind, non-egotistical person, right? You've, you experienced that. Absolutely. He's just a good guy. And, and also, he doesn't have an accent, does he? He sounds like he's an L.A. sportscaster. And I was, you know, it's just well, a- he came to UConn from Dalzell, Georgia, but he was uh, uh, his dad was in the military, and they travel all over the country. And, and so. he was really smart, and he got the big picture. And also the other athletes loved him. Uh, the guys in the Miami Heat in the days when he was down there, everybody just spoke so highly of him as a, a person, not a player. I got to meet a lot of athletes uh, doing social events. Uh, Will Chamberlain had a nightclub in Boca Raton. And he was standing next to my drummer one night in a nightclub. My drummer's five feet tall, and he's from Tennessee, football guy. And he looked up at Will, and he goes, Jamie Hardman, if you listen, I'm sorry. Uh, he goes, hey, who's the tall guy? <laughs> and Pete Rose had a club. All the athletes, the stars would come down there, you know, in the winter. You know, you mentioned Catherine Wade. Boombox parade story is that some years, including this year, I wear that big white drum major hat. Well, Catherine Wade at Wyndham High was the person who connected me with that hat. And for decades, it was actually kept in the vault there in the front office at Wyndham High School. And then finally, I had to come up every year, like on July 1st, to get it. They have to go back and drop it off. And they finally just said, just keep it. So I have it right here at the radio station. She was a special person. That was from Catherine Wade. Yeah, she... Now, do you, you weren't here then, but as I remember, the story was they had a marching band and they couldn't continue the marching band for whatever reasons, austerity or the like. And so that's why Kathy Clark came to us and said, well, how about the radio station play the music for the parade? But I believe that was Catherine, on Catherine's Wade watch when they lost that marching band. I think she was older. At, for uh, She was a teacher probably in 73. She was probably in her 50s or, or, or somewhere around it. So obviously... When you're in your 60s, music, people don't realize that music is hard to play when you get over 65-ish because it takes dexterity and memory. It's all memory. Everything, you're memorizing everything. Catherine Wade touched everybody uh, that she taught with kindness and uh, respect. 
And you don't get, I don't think we have people like that in this world anymore, I don't, not on that level. And everybody liked her. But for her to tell me that I, I could do this, she says, you can do this. John Catalano, Class 73, went to my school. How did you get to school? Were you a school bus guy? No. Um, I was born on January 6th, ironically, January 6th. And uh, so in January, the first couple that's of weeks... That's the big event from January 6th in right, history. Yeah. So be, that's kind of ironic. But when you're born in January, you could go the year before or the year you know after. I could have been 72. So my pa- my parents were well off. My dad owned Catalano Flores, and all the, he owned all the doctor offices. So when I, the minute I turned 16, I had a car. But my parents, my mom was a teacher, so she would drive us to wherever, wherever we went to school as she was go- early, as she was going to be a teacher. And uh, it's really nice to drive around here and hear stories about my mom from people that she taught. She was a, a kind person. She also uh, she went to teaching college here, which is now called Eastern. Remember, it's called Willimack Teachers College. Yeah, Willimack State Teachers College. Yeah. Before that, normal school. Well, that's 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 just a little bit before pre, my mom predates her time. She was probably the State Teachers College. Yeah, and yeah. and and uh, what happened then was she had a master's degree, but but she became a teacher's teacher. So every time she taught, there was four students. It's kind of like a residency in the medical profession. They would come in and watch her teach. And when she went to Florida, she was a legend down there. She always had five teachers in a room with her because they were watching somebody with forty years of experience. She was. Uh, she let me do, my parents let me do what I wanted to do. Well, let me flash back to 1973, 50 years ago, when the Wyndham High class of 73 was seniors. Richard Nixon was president, Spiro Agnew was vice president. Um, Oreos, 59 cents. You could buy a gallon of gas for 40 cents. First class stamp cost 8 cents. <laughs> gallon of milk, buck 40. Eggs, 69 cents a dozen. Package of Oreos, 59 cents. The average cost of a home in 1973 was $32,000. You could buy a new car for $3,200. Now, you counter that, though, by the average family income, which in 1973 was a little bit over $12,000. So times have changed from 50 years, but I'm really glad that all the people got together. Did you get any kind of an impression from the reunion on Saturday night? Who came the farthest? You talked about someone out west who didn't make the trip, but who did make the trip and came the farthest? And by the way, you'd be on the short list for that. I you, think I was, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. But I mean, uh, South Florida is a couple thousand miles away. Uh, I think it's Steve Parent came from Virginia. Well, Washington, D.C. area, that's a long way. If we could have got Dave Young, he would have won it because he was uh, Arizona. Which, by the way, his brother Wally and his other brother moved out there. So Dave's got his brothers all out in Arizona and out in Willimantic. So, Wayne, i got to say this, though, about all, all that stuff. You did our games and everything. So your whole career has been Willimantic. Did the Wyndham High games, yeah. I know, but your whole career is Willimantic. Everybody I know has listened to you for 40-some-odd years. And, That'll uh, be 53. But <laughs> your taste in music influenced this area when Shabu was happening, and you promoted musicians, including me. You always promoted me, and I did jingles and everything, and you helped me. I did a couple for you. I used to give them to you. And we Wayne, thank you Wayne for that. Norman in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We, and I got the, and I sang it. You said I sounded like a black guy singing. I used to have a, almost, almost had a good voice. But you, uh, your uh, professionalism helped uh the music business, your third Thursday. I, I heard you do a read-on one time. That's how you're supposed to do it. In South Florida, we have this new thing in radio, we're in a hurry. And we don't even finish a sentence. Like Wayne Norman's, but you know I was talking about, you know, that kind of thing. There's, and it's, that's cool. 
but you're still doing it the way you're supposed to. You f your sentence and your dialect and the way you do it, but you know why you're good at it? You're from California. You don't have an accent on the radio. Hollywood, California, baby. Yeah. Hollywood. You have a, what they call an L.A. accent. You're a professional broadcaster, which is important. Thanks. Thank you for those words. Let me go back to present time here. You came up from Florida for the 50th anniversary class reunion. So where are you staying when you're up here? I'm staying. Uh, I was going to stay with my cousin, John Ferrari, and he's in the hospital, unfortunately, and another friend. So I've stayed with my friend, Rick Nassib, for, and it's been a pleasure being around him because... We've had a bunch of guys meet up there, you know, that we all grew up together and, and uh, went out to dinner with him. And uh, people need that. You know, after that after we went through with the pandemic, we're all, like, in a room together. Remember, and everything was with a mask on. I talked to you during that. So staying in Columbia, which I had a place on the lake up until uh, seven years ago, it's kind of nice to be on the lake again. And it's not cold. And Rick was also class of 73, wasn't he? Right. And his dad, ironically, his Remember, Dick Nassif owned a sporting good place and everything. and That sporting good place, what I'm looking at right now, over your head. <laughs> but, but when they started, they were on this side of the road and a little right. tiny thing. And there used to be Nassif Arms, so which was a uh, gun place. Because in the old days, you had a gun. And, uh, oh, we're back to that. So, uh, you know, so, but uh, a sporting good place when you were in 73, we were talking about this. There was only one kind of sneaker you could buy. Pro kids. That's right. So when Adidas came in with a leather shoe, Rick was telling me it was shocking to everybody. You could get this really nice shoe. And I remember Bernie Schoberg was on a team, and he had a pair of them, and we were all standing there looking at his feet going, this is great. <laughs> and, and Billy Bizinski, I don't think he could get them because he had big feet. He was tall, and he had giant feet. And I think they were like size 15 or 16. But remember when you first saw those things? And now we have $450 sneakers, 10000 to choose from. How many have you worn? I don't like uh, the leather ones. Uh, in Florida, we don't wear sneakers because they're too hot. So the answer is zero. Zero. Yes. Now I'm up here. I'm wearing, I, uh, hey, we're getting older. We need support. <laughs> and so I'm, uh, I got to say, these kids today, remember when we only had two channels on the radio and TV? And NPR was, in, and, you know, NPR is important to me, which is national public broadcasting. They play jazz music. But remember, uh, my brother Charlie had to hold the antenna to watch the Red Sox game. He had to stick his arm out to help the reception. And now we, and now we have how many channels on cable? Uh, in some cases, too many. Yeah. John, it was great to catch up with you and say hi to all the folks from the class of 73 at Wyndham High School, many of whom were at the reunion back on Saturday night. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good to see you, my friend. John Catalano, a member of the Wyndham High class of 73, a few days after their 50th reunion.